So, everybody, welcome to the Muscle Intelligence q and I'm your host, Ben Bukulski. We always frame this podcast around the six pillars of a lean, healthy, and muscular body. And for 20 years, I myopically focus on what it's going to take to build muscle. The six pillars was the birth of me realizing that you could push really, really hard in building muscle. At some point, something's going to break. At some point, you've got to support your internal systems. You've got to support your external environment. And learning how to curate all of those factors is what this podcast is framed around. So people don't often pay massive attention to things like their environment, what they're being exposed to in the air, what they're being exposed to as far as light, even people and EMF, and those things are playing a big role. And then we're looking at mastery of sleep and and management of stress and mindset and how that plays in. And, And a lot of people look at me as someone who's been through a lot and had a lot of experiences. And that's really where this Q&A podcast come from. And all the framing of every podcast you guys listen to in Muscle Intelligence is around bringing in people to help you live your greatest life in as much as it's framed around these six pillars. And so that's why we created them. So you guys have a bit of a framework from which to chunk down and go, okay, well, which one of these am I not paying attention to? So I'm going to review those for you. So movement and training is big. And that's really where I kind of cut my teeth. And I feel like I've got a good handle on that. I don't think there's certainly pieces of the puzzle that I'm still putting together. How you eat. I mean, I think people place way too much focus on how you eat and not to downplay nutrition at all, but I think it's so important to acknowledge that the food you eat is only as effective as the system it's going into, right? So, you know, we have a lot of people who are like, I eat so clean and I don't lose fat or I'm still so inflamed or I don't feel good and I'm tired or I eat this steak and I want to sleep and they think they're eating good foods. What they don't realize is something in their life is that one thing, maybe there's five things that are kind of holding you back or that's impeding your body from doing what it wants to do. And if it's not training and nutrition, maybe it's stress and we can manage stress and we can manage sleep. And then maybe we can manage the environment. And the previous guest we just had on, if anyone listened to the live, it was fantastic talking about all these environmental factors that are ultimately causing the demise of of the human system, right? And I think looking at this like a system is important, looking at it from like a sum of its parts. And if you're someone who's sitting at home, myopically focusing on one thing, you're making a big mistake. Because trust me, I did it for a long time. And yes, you can put on some muscle, but if you run into an, an injury, if you run into an illness, or if you run into gut issues. Like I train a lot of bodybuilders and I work with a lot of bodybuilders one-on-one, even if I don't train them, they're always consulting. And there's a lot of things that are very common that seem to be this ubiquitous reality across the fitness industry. Everyone ends up with gut issues. Everyone ends up with joint pain. Everyone ends up with muscle tears. These are all preventable things, right? These are not inevitable. Like even back pain, people wake up every day with back pain. They go, oh, it's just back pain. No, man, that's not a reality. You can fix these things. And that's the premise of this podcast. And we're bringing on the world's best experts to kind of find that one or two or three things for you that are going to make the greatest difference to move the needle. So for me, I want to focus on training because that's what I've loved. And that's why I spent 20 years trying to understand. Why did I try to understand it? Because I had more pain than everyone else, not necessarily physical, although that was there too. But I had a really, really hard time building muscle. It wasn't easy for me. I remember this is funny and people will laugh at this, but I remember I was in the gym for probably a little less than a year. And I remember curling the 15 pound dumbbells and celebrating because it was a big accomplishment for me. So people get an idea of like, well, is Ben genetically gifted? The reality is, well, no. But on top of that, my 15 years prior to that had been just an absolute disaster of terrible nutrition and to a sedentary lifestyle. So I've ascended this mountain, right? I've gone through so many ups and downs. The reason I bring this up is because we're all going through ups and downs right now. Everyone's struggling with something. And I want everyone to realize 
the reason I was able to succeed in bodybuilding was because I just stopping was never an option, right? You don't fail unless you stop. And I think one of the major key points that we can touch on today is some people set their goals just too small. And I wrote a, re a doc recently talking about some people set a goal to lose like 10 pounds of fat. And I think that's a futile goal because as much as maybe I just want to lose 10 pounds of fat, it's not inspirational enough to get you off your ass and mm. keep you moving. You have to set a goal that's bigger than you. Set a goal that makes something of you to achieve it. And that's a big framing that I have in these new transformation documents that I'm building out. I'm building out a transformation blueprint to give to all my coaches in my mentorship group to give to all you guys who are listening, what's everything that goes into getting ultra lean? What are the habits? What are the systems? What are the necessities that you should be thinking about to really change your body and your life, right? If you're someone who wants to walk around lean, it has to be a reflection of your identity. If you identify as someone who's just fat and lazy all the time, you're always going to be fat and lazy. And it's no changing of your diet is going to change that because you're always going to revert back to the person that you believe you are. And there's so many levels of complexity to actually making permanent change, right? I have no desire to help people lose 15 pounds of body fat. And then 12 months later, they're going to come back and hire me again. I want you guys to create permanent changes. And that requires you changing your personal identity. Who are you? Right? What are the things you do on a day-to-day -day basis and how do you identify with yourself? Are you strong? Are you fit? Are you healthy? Are you confident? And those are things you can all design into your life simply by creating daily victories for yourself, implementing daily discipline. Right, So if you're not winning the day every day, you have no objective measure of how you're progressing. It's so vital to create daily progression, daily victories, so you know in your heart that you're winning the day. And if you do that, your confidence grows every single day. So if you're not already documenting these things, this is something I teach to my mentorship group, my mentorship clients, you got to win every single day. I don't care what that looks like. The way you win is different than the way I win. But you write down five things minimum that you're going to do every day and you circle those and you check them off by the end of the day. At the end of the day, you give yourself a big W and you say, hey, I won today, right? And that's how we start to build character. That's how we start to build momentum. That's how we start to know who I am. I'm someone who sets a goal and follows through. And listen, we all run into shit. We all run into stuff. Or sometimes we set a goal that's just insignificant. I've done it a number of times. I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to lose 10 pounds and I'll do it. But it's never like I hate setting goals that are small because it's never easy to get up. It's never easy to get up and go, oh, yeah, I want to go do this cardio today. You got to yeah. set a goal that makes you stretch. And that's financial and that's physical and that's relationships. Like relationships should be amazing. There's no there's no this accepting mediocrity bullshit in any aspect of your life. If it's not amazing, set a better goal. And it doesn't mean leaving the person you're with, but have a conversation and say, hey, we need to be better at all these things. And then with your physique, like same idea. This is really my realization over this corona is – Sometimes we soften our expectations of ourselves and because of maybe the people around us or because of the circumstance, we make rationalizations and excuses as to why things aren't excellent for us. Things are absolutely exceptional. And if you're living that life right now, fucking stop, slap yourself and wake up. And I'm part of it too, right? This is why I, there's some things in my life where I'm like, hey, I've kind of been letting that slack a little bit and I rationalize it. I rationalize it to myself for maybe I've got kids and I'm very busy and I've got all these other things that I rationalize and my children are my highest priority. That doesn't mean other areas of my life should be lacking. So I'm going to step up and take personal ownership for myself. And I expect everyone else who's listening right now, I hope everyone else is motivated and inspired at some level to realize that the reason you don't have the life you want is because of the bullshit excuse you have as to why you can't do it. 
So let's all keep each other accountable, set some big goals and keep daily accountability, daily record, right? So like I literally don't even leave my house anymore without my journal, which I'm which I'm staring at here. I've got so many notes in there and I may never look at it again in my life, but it allows me to reflect and it allows me to be introspective and expressive and always documenting things. And I can always look back if I want to, and I should. I usually do a weekly reflection on a daily reflection, but at the very least guys, set goals for yourself that make something of you to achieve it. In the areas of life, you can do there's many different areas, but there's kind of like eight. I won't get into them because I know you got something to say, Ash, but I want to start my podcast with my nine-minute monologue. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the Q&A without zero small talk and a deep, deep introspective chat. So I appreciate yeah, that. People will hear our small talk intermittently. Yeah, I suppose. But I mean, they're good too. Like I have small talk things to say to you, Ben. Anyway, you're saying so many valuable things. And I just, I want to be able to comment on them before we move further and and forget the awesome things that you said. And one of the things that I really, it keeps coming up as you're talking and as I'm going through, because I have the benefit of seeing some of these documents before they go out into the world. And I, there's so much in there that's useful and helpful to everybody. But one of the things that kind of is coming up that I'd like for you to discuss a little bit more is the sort of dichotomy between you've moved past a phase in your life where you have said before you were really myopically focused, right? You were focused on one thing to potentially the detriment of a lot of other things in your life. And you've learned from that and you've kind of refocused and you're doing things differently. There's also this conversation in some of your documents and some of the information you're putting out there that things are all, it's all about priorities, right? Like if you can't lose fat or you can't build muscle, it's not hard. You just, your priorities aren't in the right place and maybe you don't have the behavioral steps in place to achieve what you want. But how do we balance, for those of us who are really just trying to figure this stuff out for ourselves, how do we balance this concept of priorities and focus and putting 100% into what your goal is, but also not kind of tipping that edge to like, okay, well now I'm just obsessed with this one thing. How do we balance that? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with being obsessed. I think that the issue that I had in my career was not that I was obsessed with bodybuilding, is that I used my obsession with bodybuilding as a rationalization for why everything else could suck. So I still had, call it 20 hours in addition in the day, or I wasn't in the gym, that I could have been super productive on other things. And I just chose not to because my paradigm said, if I'm a bodybuilder, I need to sleep all the time. I need to be lazy. I need to not do other things. I need to not be active. I need to, all these things, that these bullshit beliefs that bodybuilders have. And powerlifters the same. I had a powerlifter come to the gym yesterday and she said, oh, I don't do cardio. I'm a powerlifter. What the fuck does that mean? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like powerlifters should be doing cardio. I know it's a huge paradigm in powerlifting, but if you talk to people who actually know what the hell they're talking about in powerlifting, cardio is a big piece. And cardio is one of the best ways to get stronger. You don't have to do it a tremendous amount, but your aerobic fitness, you better damn well rest assured it plays a big role in your ability to gain strength and size. So I think that's maybe the, the rationalization part that needs to be kind of brought to the, the forefront is just because you're really good at one thing or you're focusing on one thing doesn't mean everything else needs to fall by the wayside. I didn't need to be an asshole to people because I was a bodybuilder. Was I, again, I said this last week, I wasn't always that way. And I know I kind of maybe throw myself under the bus sometimes. I, I was very nice to most people and I treated most people with respect, but I still think I used my being hungry or being tired or being whatever, dieting as a rationalization for why I didn't have to show up in certain aspects of my life. So I think that's bullshit. I think I could have absolutely changed the person that I thought that I was and become better at everything in my life. And that's literally what I'm transitioning through right now in my life is how do you step up in everything in everything, right? How do you step up in your relationships? How do you step up in your finances and your parenting and your body? 
step up in everything and realize that that will become the standard to which you hold for yourself. And yes, you prioritize things like certainly my kids will always be my greatest priority, but then I should prioritize my fitness and my health because otherwise I'm not going to be around for them long enough. Right. I need to prioritize my finances and I need to prioritize treating people well. And there's another level there. Ash, I think prioritizing is as much what to focus on as it is what not to focus on. And I think one of the hardest things we have in society is not being able to say no or having a hard time saying no. And I was the worst at that for a long time. It's like people please it. Right. I want to I want to help everybody. Well, I can't fucking do that. I've realized if I do that, everything else starts to fall to shit. And then I feel guilty that, oh, damn, I could have spent that hour with my kids that I just spent on a call. Or, you know, unfortunately, there's this book, The One Thing, and you need to literally learn to say no to everything so you can focus on your one thing, right? The author does a really good job explaining this rationally and saying, hey, you have something that you're intended to contribute to the world, your, your greatest contribution, your highest and best. And every minute you spend not working on that is taking away from your greatest contribution to the world. Even though you may be helping someone in their small issue at the time, you got to spend the majority of your time contributing to your purpose, your highest and best. For a long time, I did in many ways, but I want to hold myself to a higher standard in everything I do. And that comes down to one, paying close attention to everything you do, being completely aware. But two, for me, this is a big one right now, is who you surround yourself with. I think a lot of us in this world are, are by ourselves or with our family. And if those people aren't the people that are inspiring you to greatness, you got to figure out a way to get around those people. And this is the idea of why we created this Muscle Intelligence Community on Facebook is because I want to be around people, why we're doing these things live even, because I want to be around people and I want to inspire people, but I want to be around people who inspire me. I want to be people like, holy shit, this guy's making money. This guy's got a great relationship. I did an interesting assignment last week, actually, with my daughter. And I may have shared this in the podcast, but maybe not. And I'd like everyone to do this. This is really interesting. I actually have the book right here. So I'll show everyone out there as a parent. Mm -hmm. For me to you, a conversation with you, a journal for you and your son. I have one for me and my daughter. The very first question is, my best friends are, and I like them because... I'm going to show everyone my best friends, but... Am I not on there? I'm getting off here right now. Yeah. So that's a very interesting experiment, right? Or a very interesting assignment because why do I like them? Well, that's a really interesting thing that I noticed. I had not thought about this before. Each one of them contributes something very unique to my life. And it's a unique standard that they provide for me. So the first person on that list was Danny. And Danny's certainly one of my best friends in the whole world. I'm sure he will be hopefully till the day we both die and you know we're old with grandkids. And what does that guy contribute to my life? He's just one of the most wonderful human beings I've ever met. He's got the biggest heart of any human being I've ever met. And I love that about him. And I aspire to that. And I'm very blessed to have someone in my life who I aspire to be more like. And every one of those people on that list, I aspire to be more like in some way. So ultimately, that's a very interesting awareness that I had that I didn't even realize that I did unconsciously. Every one of them is so different, yet very well-rounded. If we put them all in a room, we would all get along just flawlessly because we have these core set of values that we all share. But then every one of them has their unique strength. And I think that's super interesting. And if people start taking kind of inventory of what your friends contribute to your life or what your family or whomever, maybe that'll start to identify your holes. And if there's some hole in your life you're not happy with, find somebody who can be your friend or your mentor to fill that hole. I have an interesting story in 2013, I think. I had this like realization that I didn't have anyone in my life that I wanted to aspire to, at least not anyone who's very close. I think I've said this in the podcast before. So I literally went out and hired three coaches. I was like, I'm just going to pay to play, man. Like I want to pay these people for an hour of their time every week so I can step up, step into my own and live at their level or surpass it, hopefully. 
or at least you know do my best to help them come along as well. But again, there's a lot of stuff there, but I think that's a really interesting experiment or, or assignment for people to do. See what gaps you have in your life. And honestly, there was a very interesting thing that was intended for a six-year-old child and an eight-year-old. I got definitely way more benefit than they did. Well, ironically too, I feel like it's a real sign of maturity going through that exercise because I have a similar experience to what you're saying here is that there was a time in my life, probably in my sort of mid to late 20s when I was like really trying to figure out my career and my life when I felt like I was in a situation where I didn't have very many good friends. Like there were friends that were taking from me way more than they were giving to me and just draining me and made me feel worse when I was with them. And it took me, I had like a kind of a BPAC moment where I was like, okay, well, what's the common denominator here? That's, that's me, right? Mm -hmm. So I can shit all over these people all I want, but I'm the one who's allowing it. I'm the one who seems to have this group of people that is not benefiting me in any way. And I had to do some kind of unpleasant and uncomfortable work for myself, but also extracting some of these people from my life because they just weren't the right people for me. And I think one of the biggest things that's happened in my 30s and in sort of the progression of my career is, like you said, surrounding myself with people that are business people as well as friends who I look up to, who I can learn from, who are good people that care about other people and that make you feel better when you're with them and you feel like you're learning from them, you're giving to them. It's like a nice exchange. I think the exchange thing is a big part. Like I just always felt like I was just giving, giving and never getting back. You get what you demand of yourself and other people, right? So I I do think it's an interesting sort of maturity lesson to get there with your community. It's interesting that a lot of the mentorship clients that I've taken on are experiencing relationship issues. And that's not just with their spouse, but sometimes with their friends and with their business partners. And very interesting to explore, you know, why that happens and how people's values shift and looking at what do you value? What do I value? And what do we bring to each other's life? And are we contributing in some positive way? Or is it fair weather friends? I think in this society we have, we have way too many friends and not enough deep relationships. Mm-hmm. So one of the best things that got out of that is the people that are on that list I've committed to investing in. So like I try to call them once a week. I try to send them a message once a week. I'll send them a video on my phone because I want them to know that I love them. I'm here for them. These are your your felony friends, right? Like the, yes. hey man, it'll help you hide the body. Show up yeah. with a shovel, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And then so one of the other guys listening will call me on that term because I stole it from him. But I mean it's exactly what it is. Like who are you gonna yeah. show up for and who's gonna show up for you? Yeah. And if they don't exist, you better start contributing something to their life or they're not gonna be there for you when you need them. I think Maybe we take it for granted and maybe we, we're, everyone's trying to build their social media following because everybody thinks it matters. But at the end of the day, it absolutely does not matter. It's not going to move the bottom line in your life unless you have some core foundational values and morals that you can live by that make you go to sleep feeling really good about the person you are. So that's my tangent, Ash, 20 minutes like and 50 it. seconds later. You crushed it. I like it. Can we just say right now, I'm going to get the small talk in right now, but this lovely person who has something nice to say, thinks I look cute tell your mom to get off the podcast. (laughs) Excuse me. When my mother comes on the podcast, she heckles me. That's legit. But I want to touch on that because one of the reasons that I feel good today is because I- probably my dad then. (laughs) I did another another BPAC move today and went outside in the sun with very little clothes. That's something you're always telling people to do, right? Are you butthole tanning again? No, I was legally covered, but like as uncovered as possible because it's finally nice out. But man, getting some vitamin D outside makes a big difference in morale. Can I just say that? I'm going right back out when we're done. Huge. So most mornings, I'm either going to the gym first thing or I'm going for about an hour long bike ride. And yeah. 
man, the days that I go on that bike ride, it's the best, like, or a long walk. So I'm very blessed to be two blocks from the ocean. So I get to walk along there, man, it's completely changes the way you feel for the day. And the way, I'm noticing it changes the way I digest and absorb food. Like I eat pretty much the same thing every day. And the days when I get out in the sun in the morning and I actually get that movement in, it completely changes the way, even if compared to training, right? I'll still train. But when I train, I kind of feel sluggish. I feel a little bit bloated, even though if I train hard. But if I get outside and get that sunshine and that cardio or that walk or whatever, I feel like my digestion is so much different. It's interesting. Just an interesting experiment that I have. Yeah. Do you want to answer just a couple questions that are coming up here? I like answering questions. Guys, thank you very much for being here. Everyone who's in the Facebook group, our numbers have been going up massively, like a thousand people a week, which is amazing. We just started this group very recently and and we've got some new moderators in there, which is great. And thank you everybody who's doing that. I've got Brandon who has worked for me for about eight years. He's back after a year hiatus having his daughter. Uh, Whether or not Brandon's on here, I don't know, but Brandon Crow, welcome back. He's the best. He knows my content better than anyone in the world. He's been my social media manager since day one, pretty much. So massive shout out to Brandon. Okay. We've got somebody unnamed. Do you still recommend to do resistance workouts even when your aura ring readiness score is below 80? It depends. It depends. It, It always depends. If it's chronically below 80, you probably just need more aerobic work and maybe some more sleep. If it's just kind of dropped down below 80, it's probably fine. So if you're someone who typically gets a little higher, so readiness score is subjective, right? I want to look at your HRV. I want to look at your CO2 numbers. How's your body just actually responding? What's its resilience like? But yeah, so if it's chronically low, then probably not the best thing to train. It's probably the best thing to start doing a little more cardiovascular exercise and maybe just splitting it 50-50, right? There's nothing wrong with weight training. It's not going to crush you. The only time a weight training workout will make your HRV or your readiness worse is if it's like massive amounts of volume, massive amounts of frequency. So no issue. Just pay attention to your volume and really definitely start doing some aerobic work. Get some sunshine. So those things will all be big needle movers on your HRV and readiness. Mm-hmm. Another question that you had on social media that I thought was actually really interesting. I know this is another it depends answer probably, but it's about eating differently on recovery days in order to maximize recovery. And I think sure. along with that, another interesting thing, and I know that I'm not the only one who experiences this phenomenon where when I have days off, I tend to be hungrier and like crave more carbs and want to eat more, which of course is like the opposite kind of of what you want to do or you'd think that you'd want to do. So yeah, can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. So there could be a number of reasons why that is, but I think many people who exercise experience that because your body uses a workout to regulate glucose. So when your body trains, the metaphor or example I was used is think of exercise just like ringing of a sponge. It's depleting some glycogen. It's improving your insulin sensitivity. So when you eat, your body's more receptive to it. So people tend to have less hunger signals on those days. It also could be just from the training itself, improving the insulin sensitivity. So when you have, when you don't train, your insulin sensitivity may not be as good. So it's almost like this dependence on workouts. It happens a lot around contest time. So anyone who competes or, or is doing a photo shoot, this is very important. So if you train once or twice a day, all the way up to the contest, and in the last three days before a contest, your coach says, don't train. Guess what? you're not going to look it on stage. Why? Because your body becomes dependent on that non-insulin mediated glucose transport, right? So that's what happens when you exercise. You get non-insulin mediated glucose transport. So meaning your body sends this GLUT1 receptor to the surface, I think. It's either one GLUT1 or GLUT4. And that pulls the glucose into the cell with insulin. So if you don't exercise, your body doesn't have that. So now you're dependent on insulin. So your body's going to always have elevated insulin. With elevated insulin comes elevated inflammation and blood sugar fluctuations. So that's probably what's happening with you, Ash, and that happens to me. 
So I did when I was competing. If I don't train, my hunger is way higher because your body's, your insulin levels or glucose levels are fluctuating more. Hmm. Okay. So then what would you recommend for people who are training a lot and taking the day off and want to do the right thing? Well, we just talked about get outside, right? Get outside, go for a walk. Ben Greenfield brought something up that was very great was one of the best ways to drop your blood sugar is ice baths. So ice baths is a really good way to improve your body's kind of ability to use to use um, glucose. And probably sauna as well, I would suspect, very, very similar mechanism. So anything that's movement-based, and I write this in the document, like people who are lean move every day. There's no such thing as like, oh, I'm going to take a day off today. Like, great, take a day off, but you're still going to move. You're still a human being. And here's the reality, right? Ancestrally, we wouldn't have eaten without moving. Maybe, like if you're in your, when you're old, but you think about it, like if I was living a couple thousand years ago, We've evolved to say like, hey, I need to go get that plant over there. Or very least, I'm walking over to the plant. Or maybe I'm hunting an animal. Like there's actually this necessity of movement before and after training or before and after eating typically, right? Yep. So I think adding in 10 minutes before you train, 10 minutes after, sorry, 10 minutes before you eat, 10 minutes after you eat can just be massive. And most people sit and they relax and they want to be gluttonous, but we've built it into our family. Like after dinner, every night, we're going for a bike ride. Yeah. It's, usually, it's usually only 20, 30 minutes or we'll go for a 20 minute walk. But it's every night. It's not negotiable. Usually, it's it regardless. Even if it's raining, we're going outside, or we're gonna we play the push up game. <laughs> this is funny. My Ooh. kid's favorite game in the world is called the push up game. <laughs> I've been doing this with them since they were three. So obviously, it's a Ben game. I just made it up. We sit in a circle with like kind of like with our legs spread wide open and our feet are touching, and we have a ball sometimes two, and we just it's basically playing catch. But if anyone drops it, they have to do five push ups. Nice. So, I'll tell you, my son was four and doing 150 push-ups. Like, it was it was insane, but he would always do them. They weren't always perfect, but it was pretty awesome to get my kids doing push-ups. And then when they get tired of push-ups, they're allowed to do squats, but that's a penalty, so they have to do 20 squats. But they're allowed to, and sometimes they choose that. I love is- that. I think people should do this for like adult relationships, too. You ask somebody to like do the dishes, and they don't. 20 push-ups. And you're getting- <laughs> it's not, but it's not a punishment, right? They ask to play the push-up game daily. I'm like, oh, okay. It's just something I made up because I was like, hey, we're going we're gonna to play. That's why. That's so why. So when I was teaching my kids to catch, like we were playing with the ball and they just had no coordination. So we would sit. First, we stand really close to each other and just throw back and forth and then increase the distance. And then we just started playing this game. And then we're like, hey, if you let it fall, you got to do five pushups. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And, and my five pushups is with both of them on my back. Okay. Because you're a show off guy. Well, no, because it makes it fun for them. It makes them giggly, right? They're like 50 pounds each. It's not like it's a big deal. It really is an awesome idea, though. I think that's something. And another thing that you said in one of your documents that's going to be going out or blog posts is this idea of not using food as a reward. So you're talking about like for these guys, like doing physical activity is a reward. And that should be what it is for all of us. Like it is a reward when we can go outside and walk in the sun and go for a bike ride and do push-ups with our kids. Like that, yeah. that is a reward, right? So trying to like reframe that whole situation too because setting up junk food as a reward is a nightmare for everybody i'm not i won't lie and say i'm an expert in that area like i still definitely fail in learning how to implement that stuff so we do go to a frozen yogurt place every friday and we make that kind of like the family thing so it's not necessarily a reward it's just like kind of is and i'm like hey guys eat all your good food during the week you do all your schoolwork we'll go there on the weekend so it's still a reward mm-hmm. um, but it's kind of like best case scenario and they're only have to get one topping and get as much yogurt as they want but one topping and they love that and, and that's kind of our family tradition for years now you want to find me on a friday night you know where to find me what's your frogurt flavor oh, I, no, I don't eat it man i don't eat dairy <sighs> i can't i feel like i feel terrible 
That's terrible. too bad. Okay. All right. Yeah. I usually have some blueberries when I go home. I eat frozen blueberries oh like my it's my job. I'm a loser, I know. Yeah. Okay. Moving along. <laughs> All right. We got another question here. I'm sure you've spoken about this before. What are your thoughts on red light therapy? I think it's very useful. So Dr. Anthony Jay is, I think, the best expert I've come across on this. And mm-hmm. he just started his own podcast. I'd like to send a shout out to him and everybody go listen to his podcast. If you're interested in DNA, it's literally called DNA with Dr. Jay. Oh. Um, and I think that's the most interesting topic that exists in the future of health optimization. So I'm trying to get him to do a mentorship and I'll be the first guy to sign up. It's like put together a group of 10 to 20 people and teach us everything you know about DNA. He's very, very bright. Shout out to Dr. J, but he's doing all this research just on his own accord. So he works at the Mayo Clinic. He's a researcher and he just kind of grabs some red light, grabs some heart cells and he'll shine the red light on it, see what happens. And he'll grab some brain cells and shine the red light on it, see what happens. Grab some testicle cells. Don't know where I don't know where he's getting them from. But yeah, so he's seeing what actually happens and giving us kind of data. There's a funny story there. I'll tell you offline, Ash, about, yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> Maybe I won't share it. Not about testicle cells. I'll share it in a second now that I get everybody curious about it. But yeah. so he talks a lot about all the benefits. So his protocol is 10 minutes, 10 minutes front, 10 minutes back, as close as you can to your body, ideally full body. And suggestion is not more than 10 minutes because there can be some negative effects. It's just because it's like it's ramping up certain metabolic pathways. And if you ramp them up too much, some people get negative effects. So I had a, a lady who worked for me in the past. And her hair started falling out. And she goes, what's going on? Oh, well, that was it. So I called Dr. Jay. I'm like, she's like, okay. She's doing 20 minutes front, 20 minutes back. She started to lose her hair. She stopped when it came back. So, all right. So I'll tell the story. All right. Let's hear it. Testicle cells. No, no, not yeah. testicle cells. Well, I say how interested I am in DNA. So I did a, I may or may not have done a experience with psilocybin mushrooms and good dose of psilocybin mushrooms. I actually did it with Danny. And first, it, first thing we do is we call Dr. J and talk to him for four hours about DNA. <laughs> like, why like, we're really not that cool. No, we didn't tell him. That. He still doesn't even know we were on mushrooms. But we're like, Dr. J, we start, Danny and I just started talking about one gene. I forget what it was. We literally called and just picked his brain for four hours. And he was so excited because like, he loves this stuff as much as anybody, more than anybody. So we called him and just started talking about. I feel like I may have talked to you that day too. <laughs> Maybe you didn't remember. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm Are you sure? sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. Do you want to talk more about that? I remember that time. Yeah, I remember that time when you asked if I was intoxicated. And the answer was no, but uh, maybe sleeping. There something going on that day. Anyway, <laughs> would you like to talk a little bit more about this experience? Like, was it just like you just wanted to do it for fun? You were trying to figure out, was it a micro dose? Was it a full on? No, it was a full dose that day. Yeah. So Danny and I don't get a lot of time together. And we were like, hey, you know what? This would be fun. Let's, let's do this. And obviously, instead of like going in spiritual and closing our eyes and, and kind of getting introspective, it was like, man, let's have fun and talk about DNA. So it wasn't necessarily the most well curated experience. That was what it was. Great. It was joyful. We had we had an awesome time. So nothing particularly spiritual came of it other than bonding with with my best buddy. No, like tripping balls while you're on the phone? like. Well, yeah, no, no tripping. Like, yes. I mean, at some level, I, I'm surprised he didn't know. I mean, he might have known. But yeah, some interesting experiences. Like we were in a place where there was a lot of people who would know me. And I felt pretty uncomfortable that by chance, again, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but by you chance. You want in public to do this? No, no, no. We were, we, were out of, we were out of town, but in Airbnb, but there was like, it was at a place where people would have known who I am if they had seen me. Yeah. Anyway, so I won't get into the story. Yeah, we'll talk about it more offline. But <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's nothing there. I was just walking down the road before the, the mushroom kicked in yeah. and then they started to kick in. And how long did they last for you? Like, did you have like a just fully pleasant experience? That, Six that- hours. And there's always moments of discomfort and like shittiness. I don't particularly like mushrooms, to be honest. Like I get a little anxiety. Yeah. 
Yeah. But for a short period of time and then it's gone and when it starts to level out, it's great. It can be great if you're in the right setting. I haven't done them a lot in my life. I think only two or three times, maybe as far as like a full dose. Yeah. And I had never done microdosing either prior to very recently. Microdosing is interesting. It's so subjective because the dose has to be right. Anyways, that's not where this podcast is supposed to go. I mean, I think yeah. it's where it's going now because I actually want to talk about a couple of things here. Well, it's funny because I literally have been having like a psychedelic conversation on Instagram because I posted the other day about another nootropic, a product that I talked to you about the last time we were together that I've been using on and off, which is Fenibit, right? Mm-hmm. To help me sleep and stuff. And I've been kind of playing around with some dosing and stuff like that. But and you it, get it, high like, and giggly before bed? Well, no, not really. See, this is the other thing. I think I've talked to you about this, but I was talking to a couple other large meatheadish dudes, sort of like yourself, who were like, oh, the amount that you're taking knocks me on my ass. And I'm like, it's not doing that for me. So I don't know if I'm just so... How much are you taking? Like 750 to 1,000 milligrams. We talked about this. That's not crazy. Right? Yeah, no, but I mean, it's still, it's still like that's the dose that people are recommending and I'm not... But maybe I'm expecting something different than what... Yeah. 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 I don't expect anything, right? You just take it, go to sleep and see how you feel when you wake up. Like you should have yeah. a very restful sleep. It has been, I mean, doing a good job of kind of chilling me out. But anyway, I, I ended up going down a rabbit hole on Instagram for a couple people who were like, oh, this stuff's great. Or I've had this experience and it's kind of similar to this thing. But going back to the, the psychedelics thing, there was just a new Netflix documentary, something about psychedelics, but it's just a bunch of famous people talking about their experiences with mm-hmm. mushrooms and acid and things like that. And that's the problem I've always had with this sort of new wellness movement with psychedelics is it's my own hang up, but I'm very wary and afraid of any kind of drug that's going to make me feel out of control. And that promises that if you do it enough, you're going to have a bad time with it. Like I just, I don't don't know if I'm ready for that kind of, and I hate, I hate, I hate the glamorization of this stuff, right? Everyone's like, and there's a very particular group of people that come to mind and they're just making this like, Oh, you got to do this. It's good for you. And I'm like, listen, man, you're talking to people out there who are probably potentially children, Right. Like if you're under 25, don't even look at this stuff. It's stupid. And that's not talking down to anybody, but your brain's not fully developed. You don't even consider that stuff. Like I wouldn't even consider it before I was 30. Yeah. And now you get to that point. I get to the point where I know it's uh, an introspective opportunity. It's not an escape. And I think there's this whole community of, of quote unquote fitness people. And I'll put that in strong quotations mm-hmm. who are perpetuating this ultimate escapism. They just don't want to sit with their own shit. And I get it. Like, I just don't think it's uh, moral. I think they're trying to perpetuate themselves as these great leaders and these great spiritual people. And I think they're all full of shit. And, and I've, had, I've spent some time with them. And again, I hope people have come through and realized that that was the case at the time. And hopefully they've, they've transcended a little bit. I kind of removed myself. But um, yeah. yeah, you don't do 200 micrograms of LSD and go to the bar. That's not the way these things are meant to work. And that's ultimately what these guys are doing. That to me is isn't a spiritual experience. That's an escape. So I think hopefully people realize that the stuff is not meant to party and have fun. Like, great, if it turns into that, sure. But you're not going to go literally 200 micrograms of LSD and go to the bar. Yeah. And, and, then, and then rationalize it to yourself or someone else is why you're doing it for spirituality. Right, exactly. And it's, it's almost becoming like a status symbol thing, too, because it's like these kind of fancy, well-off fitness, wellness people who go on these expensive trips to like trip out and there isn't as much of an emphasis on like how this can help people the benefit the cost and benefits sort of analysis because a lot of people this isn't going to benefit them or they're not in the right place or the right situation to do these things i don't even think it's helping them is it so i did an amazing podcast i think it was late last year with dr alberto Velodo. i'm sure you remember him ash yeah it was wonderful and he had the best explanation i think everyone should go listen to that podcast 
But he said, man, this is not for everybody. Like you have to prepare for this. It's like anything, man. Like you'll get what you put into it. And if you're just going to show up and throw back some drugs, like you're going to have a nice experience and you're not going to get anything from it. And again, I just don't think that's what it's meant for. I think you're, you're um, depreciating the value. And again, speaking of the experience I just had with Danny, I probably did the same thing for that one, but it wasn't intended to be that. Like we had our own place. We're like, hey, we're going to chill out. It just happened to be like, hey, we feel like getting up and having fun and fine. But that wasn't the intent. The intent was to sit down and do and to have an experience together. We're great friends. You know, we're going to help each other. So anyways, not, I don't want, I don't want to go talk bad about anybody, but I want everyone to realize that, that psychedelics are not ubiquitously good. They're not just like uh, inherently good for everything, right? They're not this panacea of just take them and you're going to be a better person. It's not how it works. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And if anyone's curious about it, I'm not an expert, but please go to listen to the podcast with Dr. Volaldo. He was just unbelievable. He, he's a neuroscientist who had become a shaman. Now yeah. he owns a clinic, Blue something in Chile. He's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful, amazing human. Surprised me beyond belief with his ability to be articulate and not biased toward drugs. I thought like, oh God, shaman, he's just going to start throwing these drug regimens down at us, but he didn't at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes too. I think it's, again, it's just sort of to cap it off. It's like the idea that any nutrition methodology, any like new drug, any new protocol, it's like, don't just jump on it because a couple like sexy people on Instagram do it. There's more to it. You got to do your research and figure out if it makes sense for you. So that might be a useful question. What approach would you use to tell someone that, whatever you like, Okay, let's let's get to this one because it's just at the end. This person, we don't know who it is, may need to send a follow-up, but thoughts on a targeted keto diet for a fat-adapted individual. They've been keto for two years. They want to see if a targeted keto diet and having post-workout carbs would help with muscle building. Absolutely. So we have a program called the Ketogenic Muscle Intelligence Program, and that's exactly what we teach is if you're actually trying to build muscle, we kind of go through phases where maybe the first month or so can maybe longer, depending how long it takes to get into deep ketosis will be pure keto. So first month, typically slightly higher protein because your body tends to break down more protein before you get into deep ketosis. Once you're in ketosis, you can pull back on the protein because it's protein sparing. And then at that point, you can start slowly introducing depending on your metabolic state, right? If you're still inflamed and obese, it's not a good idea to target a keto if you are relatively healthy and relatively metabolically flexible. It can be useful. And even if you are inflamed and obese, carbs, sometimes it can be okay, but not nearly as much as if you're relatively lean and metabolically healthy. So yeah, I highly suggest using targeted keto for people that are training hard and actually want to put on muscle. It's a game changer. So Danny and I trained together for six months. He was deep in keto, like no carbs, and I was doing targeted keto. And there was a very obvious point during every week where he just hit a wall, like he just didn't have anything else in him. And my work kept going up every day or every day throughout the week and his just tanked. So the weekends we would take off. So he had two days of full recovery. By the time he got to Wednesday, he had nothing left in the tank and he just work out started to crap out. So we started introducing just a little bit of carbohydrate. I don't even know if it was every day, but at that point it was probably every other day or something. Just a little bit of UCAN during his workout. And I think we did a little bit after and that was it. And the difference was 20, 30% output, big, big difference. And, and the amount of work you do during hypertrophy is, is massive, right? Um, like you gotta, you gotta do work. And if you notice your quality of work is falling, you need to fix something. That's important. So Danny is a very strong guy. He's, you know, his executions come so far. Yeah. His executions come so far. He speaks about it all the time, like six months of us training together. He maintains muscle now having to do nothing at all. Cause it's just so dense because of the time we spent together. And he'll tell you the same thing. He's like, man, it's just never been so easy to build or retain because actually his body knows what to do. 
And he can do it now with obviously less food and less training. But keeping the ability to do high quality work is imperative. So if the quality of the work starts to fall off, it's definitely time to stop or figure out why your quality is falling off. Mm -hmm. This is a specific question to one of your programs, the Hypertrophy Execution Masterclass. They're taking it at home. They don't have access to a gym. I really took what you said to heart, refusing to let anything get in the way of your goals. Halfway through the first module using bands, and it's been killer. Any tips for using exercise bands for the workouts? Yeah. So guess what? Whoever this is, we don't know your name, but I just filmed for the last three days. I just filmed probably 20 exercises with bands. A bunch of at-home stuff for everybody who's going to continue to train at home because I know a lot of people will. There's probably a bunch more I can add to the library, but we're building an exercise library, a more extensive one on MI40 Nation. So for those of you that don't know the MI40 Nation, it's my member site. We've got over 30 workouts. We've got hundreds and hundreds of videos from the last seven, eight, actually nine years now, just accumulation of them. And some of them get pulled off because they're kind of old and we've, we've advanced our ability to execute and some of them stay there. And there's, there's tons and tons of information categorized in a way that isn't overly overwhelming. Uh, and the next thing that we've never done before was an at-home workout section. So I've, I've literally just got them today. I've got the workouts. I wrote them weeks ago, but their designer took a long time to get it back. And the videos were finished yesterday. So that'll be up hopefully by the time this podcast goes live, hopefully. So at my 40 Nation, we're redoing the site, redoing the front pages and stuff. So it's kind of under construction, but all the content is still there and amazing. So if you want to check that out, there's tons of stuff. But to give you an answer, buy multiple thicknesses. So you want to not just buy one. So most people kind of default to one. It's not a good idea. So if you think about having a slightly thicker band, as you pull it toward its kind of elastic length, like the maximum tension it can create, it's going to create a lot of force going the opposite direction, trying to pull you back. Whereas if you get a thinner one, you can almost start to pull through that. And there's like, point being, you can create more of a consistent tension with less bend, pulled tighter, right? And I think having that understanding is important. So having, I'll have what I, I'm going to tell you the colors, even though every company seems to have different colors, like a red band is, let's say it's like a centimeter wide and maybe half a centimeter thick. That one tends to be really good for most people and most exercises. The next one up is like, say, an inch wide and a half a centimeter thick. Now that one's going to be more difficult. So that will be more for squatting or for bench pressing or for deadlifting, where you're going to be able to use a greater amount of load. And then you have thick ones, which maybe use on a leg press or a hack squat or something like that. And that one's probably two inches wide by half a centimeter thick. Because if you start getting to just a little bit of tension in that one, it's going to start throwing you back fast. There's so much force, counter force necessary. I think Bands should be included in everyone's workouts, not all the time, but at some point, because it's a completely different type of resistance. And I think it's forcing you to focus. It's forcing you to be in control and to not let the eccentric go. So many people have this terrible habit of letting the eccentric go. So I contract the muscle, I just let it flop and I let it go. I let it go. With a band, if you don't control it, that shit's going to throw you. Like it's going to be really, really accelerating. So a band is this really great kind of equalizer teaching people that you must control it. So I think in our realm of the muscle intelligence community and the MI40 workouts, bands should be in everyone's gym bag. Cool. All right. This is a very general question that I think is kind of just speaking to literally every single thing that you talk about, but what approach would you use to tell someone to lose weight and improve their nutrition? Yeah, it's a very general question, but that's okay. Everybody's at where they are. So the first thing I suggest guys is the two primary markers that we need to control for are inflammation as the big one and insulin sensitivity, right? So, and those two things go hand in hand. And if you added a third one to that, I would say it's gut health, but inflammation and gut health go hand in hand. So 
I always say to, to frame your diet around inflammation and ask yourself, is this going to improve inflammation or, or increase it? That's that simple, right? So we always create a framing around inflammatory responses. So if you're eating anything that's going to be pro-inflammatory, you're making your life harder. You're fighting against yourself. And there's no way around that. That's the number one killer in body transformation, losing body fat. So there's looking through this framework of, is this going to make me inflamed? So what types of things make us inflamed? Processed food, artificial foods, gluten, grains, some dairy for some people, many people. Gosh, the list goes on. Vegetable oils, fried foods, all the things that ultimately people love, just don't eat it. Like it's, it's garbage. You need to eat meat, you need to eat vegetables. Yeah, I mean, simplify. So that would be the first framework. What's the question, Ash? So you put it back up. Just I think there was one other piece that I didn't want to overlook. Yeah, lose lose weight. Yeah. yeah, that's it, right? So most people start a transformation with me, and I don't even suggest tracking your calories in the beginning. Everyone goes, "Oh, you got it. It's all about macros." Bullshit. It's not about macros. It's about improving the health of your system. No, right? sorry, I just we've got a follow up question here that actually makes this even more interesting. So S- the-, the same question. Yes, the same question. So what they're saying is, how do they tell someone else? How do they give someone else advice? on losing weight and improving their nutrition without hurting this person. So somebody in your life that you want to give advice to about health and nutrition and weight loss, but you don't want to maybe step on toes or hurt people. What is this word feelings? Ash, I'm not familiar with this word. I mean, we don't relate to it, but like (laughs) other people do. So yeah, but I mean, it is a big thing. Like, and I'm sure you, you're obviously well past this and I am now past it, but for the longest time, it would drive me nuts when I would be close to somebody who was obviously struggling and did not want to hear anything from anybody, much less me, because I was too close to it. And then they'd come back to me like four or five years later and be like, hey, have you heard about this thing called paleo unprocessed foods? It's really changed my life. And of course, I want to be like, are you kidding me? I've been trying to get you to do this for five years. I just have to like let it go and just sort of do what I do and then answer questions. Sure blast them. But what do you do when you have somebody that you care about that's like struggling? Well, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? And I live that reality every day. Even in my gym, it's it's so ridiculous to me. I'll say something to someone and like when I say it, it's usually pretty well thought out. And then I'll, they'll come back like two weeks later and go, oh, so I kind of realized that this is important. I go, Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you got to bring Sorry. the Buddha out big time on that one because yeah. you just yeah. So, what approach would I use? It's got to depend on context, but I would think that I'm going to guess it's not coming from a position of vanity. It's coming from a position of love and health, just based on the fact you're asking this question. So. I think you approach it with love, right? And you say, I love you. I want to see you well. I want to see you healthy. I want to see you feeling good about yourself. I think one of the greatest parenting lessons I ever got actually came from a book that wasn't parenting at all. It was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And he just basically said, do they know your intention behind your words? So when you're speaking to your children, you go, stop drinking alcohol. Well, why do you want to stop drinking alcohol? Well, because I actually care about them. Well, do you convey that in your messaging? I think a lot of people go at these conversations with fear and anticipation of negative backlash rather than just going, hey, like the reason I'm telling you this is because I really care about you. I really love you and I really want to see you do your best. Yeah. Um, do you think that maybe we can work on this? And I'd love to support you and I'm here for you in any way that I can. And let's do this together. I think if someone matters to you that much, that's how I would approach it. Yeah, no, I like that. And I like what you said earlier too. This is the approach that I've taken is just trying to live the best life that you can and let the people around you know that you're there when and if they need you. So I've got this understanding and experience and resources and I'm here for you when you need it, when you're ready, it's there. I think that's- And I think that the reality is as human beings, we don't learn anything from what people say. We learn from watching, right? We learn from people who actually lead. 
and this is the the irony of social media as well as everyone's like, how do I get more followers on social media? Well, become someone worth following, right? Lead. Maybe that's the approach. It's like, you just show them how happy you are and how healthy you are and how much you love to exercise and you create food and how good you feel. Maybe they'll come along for the ride. Listen, I lived that life for a long time. My wife doesn't eat very well at all. And that's just, she got much better, but I didn't push it on her. I was like, okay, your choice, your life. But, you know, it's just a long battle. Mm-hmm. So, Here's a quick question for our Ontario GPA folks. What's your recommendation for, so what is it called, Green Pastures Farm? Exactly, Green Pastures Farm, yeah. Mike the Butcher Man. Okay. So Green, I'm just to make sure I got the right one. You hooked me up big time with this guy because when you told me about him, I reached out and I talked to him and I'm like, hey, do you deliver outside of GTA? Because I'm writing this cookbook, this organ meats cookbook, and it's really hard to find liver and lamb necks and stuff. Yeah. Green yeah. Pastures Farm, Farm Ontario. Or Ontario. Yeah. His, name, his name is Mike and he's awesome. He's the best. He's sending me a bunch of organ meats because I was like, I can't find tripe. Help me. And yeah. he, yeah, he's hooking me up. But those yeah, guys. Edit. He's wonderful. And he uh, said. Very busy during this time, too, for people yeah. who are like doubling down trying to get good quality meat. He'll so. deliver to you. It's not overly expensive, and the quality is fantastic. Yeah. So he's got bison, he's got chicken, he's got beef, lamb. Yeah. He's got good stuff. That's the only, the only place I buy my meat when I'm in Canada because Canada, I mean, Toronto is very, very expensive for meat. Mike, yep. does, Mike does a good job of being super competitive. Yep. Okay. Can I ask one more question before you talk about our show sponsor and I go back outside and sun my parts? Okay. Here we go. Trying to improve my mind-muscle connection with my glutes and calves specifically, the two most important muscles, how long should my mind-muscle pre-workout routines be? And as, long as, as, as long as it takes. So glutes, let's create two separate scenarios. Glutes, activating your glutes from my perspective, all muscles, exact same protocol. Take it to its full length and position. Create as much tension as you can. You'll notice your ability to contract in length and position is terrible. So you need to stay there for five, six, seven seconds at a time trying to progressively ramp up a very specific contraction. So it's not just this broad stroke, I'm gonna try to muscle my way through it. It's like, I'm actually specifically trying to contract this muscle. And maybe it takes 10 repetitions like that. So each one being six seconds long, and with glutes, I like to do it with single leg. So it's almost like doing it like a single leg hip airplane or like standing on one leg with one leg going behind you. You can hold on to something in front of you for balance and just putting your glute into that really lengthened position, not rounding up the spine, creating stability at your abs and driving your foot into the ground to contract the glute. Hopefully that wasn't too fast or, or complicated, but you know, one more time. So you're going to bend over at the hips, standing on one leg, keeping your spine arrow straight and take your hip as far as you can go comfortably without rounding into your back doesn't have to be far and then drive your heel into the ground. As you get good at this, you'll be able to contract the front of your leg, the hip flexor, which will then pull you further into that lengthening position, allowing you to get stronger at the fully lengthened glute. The opposite of that obviously is true with the short position. So we're gonna do like a glute bridge. And again, it's gonna be five to six second isometrics intentionally ramping up a very specific contraction. So it's gonna be not just like, I'm gonna get there and go back. I'm not gonna try to get there and aggressively grip my teeth and squeeze it. It's a very precise contraction. And what you'll notice is every rep that you do that, it'll get better and better and better. Eventually you'll be able to contract it and then you go train the muscle. Same thing with calves. Lengthen position, try to activate, shorten position, try to activate and spend time in those positions. And when you think you're there, you're not. So when you think you're in the short position, you need to go a little further. When you think you're in lengthen position, you need to go a little further. That doesn't mean stretching other body parts. So that means just lengthening that specific joint or the muscles around that specific joint. I've got tons of videos on this stuff, guys, online. Actually, I'm going to shoot a whole new series just because you asked me this on the activations for every body part. They're in hypertrophyexecutionmastery.com. We call it HEM, but all those activations are in there. 
Is that also, can you access it through the MI40 Nation or Muscle yep. Intelligence? Yeah, it's or? on MuscleIntelligence.com. Just go to hypertrophymastery.com. Okay. Yep. Before we go, have you had your bubs today? Damn, every day, twice a day, actually. Mm. Bubs is so good. I told you that for a while, I was in a bit of a lull. I had to use a different company. It's such a difference. So two scoops. I've actually been using Bub's Collagen and Bub's MC. I don't always put collagen in my coffee because sometimes I like to have a bit of a protein break. But for the last week or so, because my training has been great, I've been ramping up my collagen. And so I put collagen in this morning, one scoop of collagen, two scoops of MCT and a little bit of lion's mane. And it's just so good. So the way I'll make it is I'll make like enough for like two cups and I'll have one in the morning and then I'll have one two or three hours later when it's cold. I don't know why I like it cold, but it's so damn good. It's, it's like having my latte. It's so, yeah, it's, it's like a nice iced latte. That's really you're, smart. You're making me want one right now, actually. I got one sitting on the table over there. So it might have to happen even though it's 4 p.m. And we have up on the blog because people ask you this all the time, how you make your like fancy brain boosting coffee. The recipe is on the blog on muscle intelligence so people can access it there. I actually did an IG live with Sean from Bubs last night because we were talking about what else? Organ meats. But an interesting kind of thing popped up that I don't know if you've ever come across with people who it's very rare, but I've had a couple of people ask me this. They were having like maybe digestive or sort of unpleasant reactions, not to the MCT, which is understandable in some cases, but the collagen. And I talked to Sean about it because again, they're very transparent people. Like they'll tell you, you know, the real deal that some people may not be able to tolerate these products, but it's still very, very rare. And we haven't really figured out what it is other than maybe just underlying. I think it's histamine. I think it's histamine. We talked to somebody about this before. And they said that collagen can often cause a histamine reaction. So it cause like a little sluggishness, a little bit of upset stomach. That's really interesting because I, I have been struggling with some histamine things since quarantine, but collagen hasn't been doing that to me. But that's actually a really, we didn't even come up with that answer yesterday because I mean, I think sometimes too, it's just like if you have major gut dysfunction and digestive dysfunction, you're not going to be absorbing the nutrients. You're not going to be using them the way you would normally. So get yourself sorted out. Like nothing, even collagen doesn't solve all your problems. You need to figure out your gut health first and then of course if it's going into an unhealthy system it's not a healthy product no matter if it's food or anything so yeah um, all right i'll let you get back to your mushroom latte yeah so whoever asked this question we're going to start with the next time they're asking about non-fitness related goals we're going to answer that in the next q a which can happen next wednesday be here live in the muscle intelligence community guys thank you so much shout out to bubs because you guys are awesome bubs is legitimately so good if you're not using bubs in your coffee you are missing out you can also use bubs in shakes sometimes i'll put it in that especially pre-workout i find it gives my brain a nice little boost and as, as ashley noticed it does make a difference you will feel it in your brain and it does taste absolutely amazing bubsnatural.com what's our code ash intelligence for 20 percent off which is and they, they're good. so great they're really like, awesome yeah. that kind of discount you can pour it into your bubble bath like i do every night that's why with a straw. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Love Use the code intelligence for 20% off and give them a shout out when you try the product and love it. Just like you guys know, we only get behind products that we actually use and we actually love. And we actually think you should use too. So if you guys have enjoyed the podcast, if you did, we would absolutely love it. If you would subscribe, we would love it. If you would share with it one, at least one person, you know, and love who is aiming to live their greatest life, build some muscle and feel confident and strong at the same time. Guys, thank you so much. I know you have a lot of choices when it comes to listening to podcasting. You choose to be here with us and we are eternally grateful. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. 
This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.